thank you for this day. We give you praise with much thanksgiving because you're absolutely faithful. We bless your name because there's nobody like you in the whole earth. God, we thank you that we stand here healed. We thank you that because of you, we have the ability to overcome what it seems like we couldn't overcome. We thank you that what should have overtaken us, you've given us victory over. Father, we thank you that this is a year of great grace. And your desire is for us to be healed and whole in every area. Father, we thank you that you said that anytime we hear your word, that we can set our hearts to receive your word and our life will be changed. Our expectation today is that we would be changed by the word. Our expectation is that we would be set free by the word. We thank you that the word is taking us to a higher level of living in Jesus' name. We believe that we receive. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to be here. I just came back from um, Jacksonville, Florida, Save Girls Rock. I'm, ladies, I'm going to give you a heads up. Next year, it's in the Bahamas. I told y'all last year y'all should come. You didn't come. You was here cold instead of in Jacksonville. I'm telling you, next year, it's going to be in the Bahamas. You should come. It's going to be a great, great time. Absolutely phenomenal conference. And so, um, anyway, I just, I'm going to minister to you guys today about some things that have really been on my heart. Um, you know, next week, Sertrick is, is the fifth Sunday. Every fifth Sunday in the month, there are four of those in a year, um, Sertrick is going to come and he's going to be teaching us how to be financially sound. How many of you know that God cares about your finances? Turn to your neighbor and say, God cares about your finances. Why? Because your finances impact everything else about your life. Money isn't the most important thing, but it impacts everything that is important. One of the biggest deceptions is that money isn't important. We shouldn't love money, but you need money in order to be able to do the work of the kingdom. You need money to be able to take care of your family. You need money to be able to take your children to the hospital. You need money to be able to invest in their gifts and talents. You need money to be able to feed the hungry. And so it's very important that we get our mindset right about that because I believe that God is prepping us and priming us. I believe that one of the reasons that the Lord is talking to us about the 20% campaign where he's saying to us, hey, I want you to tithe, but I also want you to save. I believe that we're coming into a season where there are going to be some opportunities. And if you don't have any income because everything you have that's tied up in your life is going out the door, you're not going to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that God would have with you. And so I'm probably going to be doing what I would consider a little precursor for, for what Sertrick is going to talk about. He's going to talk about a lot of the, the fundamentals, a lot of the, the basic stuff, those kind of things that you need to understand about money. Why is that important? The Bible says in all you're getting, get an understanding. I was thinking about this the other day. You think about it, that we spend most of our lives working for money, but very few of us really understand it. Your whole life is about how to get enough money, but you don't even understand what you should do with the money when you get it. You don't understand how to take it. In Genesis 1 and 26, it tells us to be fruitful and to multiply. Verse 28 tells us to be fruitful and to multiply. How can you multiply when you don't understand how it multiplies? How can you make it fruitful when you don't understand why it's fruitful? And so I'm going to set up a little bit of a foundation today to hopefully make it easier for searching. I'm going to really encourage you to come to church next week and to come to church on time. I'm going to encourage you to get a notebook that you can take the notes that he's going to be giving so you can make sure that you have the steps in the situation. This is a church where we want us to be whole. There are times we talk about marriage. There are times we talk about parenting. There are times we talk about healing. Basically, the Bible says, beloved above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so you're never going to live in your life above your soul. 
Your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, your imaginations. You're never going to live above that. Right now, your money today, the money that's in your life is based on your soul. People always get up in arms when I say that, but if you want to know how much money your soul can handle, all you got to do is look at your daily average balance in your checking account. Your daily average balance tells you how much money your soul can handle. And so if you want to be able to increase, you have to help your soul. You, how do you help your soul? The Bible says you put the word in there. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why is this so important? Because God wants your family to be whole, and he wants out of your wholeness for you to be able to make other families whole. The Bible says that we will be blessed, and out of us, we will bless all of the other families. You can't be a blessing if you aren't blessed yourself. Amen. And so I'm going to be talking about some things today that I hope will challenge you a little bit. We're going to start in Matthew 6 and 33. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. I'm going to, you know, my goal really just in this season is just to challenge you. You know, and I want to encourage you and let you know that there are th that this is a season of great grace and there God has not forgotten you. There are some things that he desires to do in your life. One of the questions I asked them when I was ministering in Florida was this. You know, a lot of times people feel like they've been in the same situation over and over again. They feel like they've walked around the same mountain over and over again. And so my question to you becomes, are you walking around the same mountain because God has you walking around? Or are you walking around the same mountain because you don't have the right information to get off the mountain? Like, is God holding you here? Like, really, God don't have anything else to do but hold you in this place of, you know, where you have a, a couple of hundred dollars when you get through paying all your bills. That's all God has for you. Is that about God or is that about the lack of knowledge that you have that is holding you hostage? Because you can't live above your level of knowledge. In Matthew 6 and 33, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It actually uses the word shall. We know that in scripture, we know that in English, the word shall is an absolute. It says that when you seek the kingdom of God, all these things will be what? Added unto you. So the kingdom of God, for those of you who are taking notes, the kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. Right? God's way of doing things. And so, interestingly, what happens a lot of times for believers is that we think that because God is love, that God doesn't have any set expectations about how he does stuff. And that's really how people get involved in a lot of deception. You know, so they say things like, well, if God is really love, would he let people go to hell? No, he wouldn't let people go to hell. That's why he sent Jesus. But you don't get to say that because God is love, I don't have to make the confession of Jesus, and then God is obligated to keep me from going to hell. Every kingdom has rules and principles and order. Write that down. Every kingdom has rules and principles and order. And in the kingdom of God, there are rules and there are principles and there are order. And this is really important to me because I think that a lot of times people don't understand that God is a God of principle and God is a God of order. And so God, people are frustrated because they're like, God is love and God is good and God is merciful, but you, not, you don't know the kingdom. And so because you don't know the kingdom, you're not participating in the process. And because you're not participating in the process, you get the results. It's a lot like this to me. It's a lot like if you heard somebody say that apple seeds would produce an apple tree. And so you go out and you get you some apple seeds, but you missed the part where they told you that you had to plant it in the right soil. And so you got apple seeds sitting on your dresser, and every day you go outside and look, and there's not an apple tree, and you're frustrated because you don't have an apple tree. Well, you got part of the equation. The problem is, is that you don't have revelation and insight about what to do with the apple seeds in order to make them produce. We want to be a ministry that we tell you what to do with the word so that it produces something. 
right? So it says, so God has a way to do things. In the Amplified, it says it like this. Are we going there? Say it's important that I learn how God does things and then do them the way God does them. In the Amplified, it says, but seek, aim, and strive at, first of all, his kingdom, his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all of these things taken together will be given you besides. I didn't put this scripture on there, but let's go there, Caleb. It's Romans 8 and 32, because I want you to see this. Say, God desires to be good to me. Let's look at Romans 8 and 32. Romans 8 and 32. When you have it, say amen. Oh, it's on the board, so you got it. All right. It says, <laughs> he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So it's this scripture. He's setting out here, and he's saying, listen here. God is not withholding, fill in the blank. He's not withholding, fill in the blank, whatever your blank is, because he's already given the best gift that he had. And with him, he gave you everything you needed to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So he says he hasn't withheld. He's not withholding wealth from you. He is not withholding increase from you. He is not withholding it from you, but you have to know how to access it. And in the kingdom, there are ways of doing things. Let's just like say we were all going to take a trip to Italy. How many of you think it would be really important for us not just to have a passport? That would be great, right? Not just to have all our fly clothes packed, right? Not just to have, um, you know, um, our itinerary and know how we're going to travel. Wouldn't it be important for us to know how Italy works? Like, uh, like, for example, understand that if you're going to go to Dubai, as beautiful as it is, you, it's some things you need to understand about how they do things in Dubai because you go over there in, in Dubai and do something like you do in America and you, you may not come back. And so in the kingdom, um, there are ways that God does things. And I say this all the time that one of the greatest struggles in America is that because you are a democracy, you think that you have a vote about what God does. You think that because everybody doesn't agree that you have her. But, you know, it's one of this, um, growing up, they used to say that um, God, I know that God is right. I know the Bible is right. Somebody wrong. Who wrong? Everybody who don't agree with the Bible. I don't care how many everybody's don't agree with the Bible. I don't care how many cases people make for the justification of something. Just because a country legalizes it, just because a church agrees on it, don't make it God. Amen. So we want to know what God is saying. Now, so one of the things I really want to challenge you here about in this mindset is that you have to ask yourself, do I think like God? Do I think like God? Am, is my mind in line with God when it comes to finances? Or am I like Pastor Edwin said, do I find all the scripture that God tells me that he's going to bless me while I don't do any of the stuff that God tells me to do? I know all the promises, but I don't know any of the expectations. No, for example, husbands, here's what the Bible says. You're believing God for a promotion on your job. You believe in God to increase. The Bible says that when you don't treat your wife right, God don't even hear your prayers. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you don't honor your wife, because the Bible says he that finds favor, finds a wife, finds 
favor with the Lord. He says, so when the Lord gives you a wife and then you don't treat her well, God ain't listening to you. So maybe sometimes the reason there's a promotion that's not coming is because you're not honoring your wife the way you should be honoring. Maybe you honoring her better than Uncle Tommy honoring his wife, but the standard is not what Uncle Tommy did, it's what the Lord said. All right. <laughs> it's in there. And the challenge is, is that we cannot be a people who only want to pick the blessings and ignore the instruction. Oh, we blessed going in and we blessed coming out. But there's some instructions about how to be blessed coming in and blessed coming out. Amen? Yes. So in the kingdom, here is what you need to know. For every faith promise, there are faith principles and a faith process. For every faith promise, there are faith principles and there is a faith process. It means when I find out that there is a promise of God in the word, I have to know what is expected of me to produce that promise in my life. Very simple one. Here is the very one. If you're saved in here, raise your hand. Every, if you're saved, you had to participate in this promise. He says, if you shall do what? What, should you, what do you have to do to be saved? If you should do what? I know you know it. What you got to do? Believe in your heart. Come on. Did y'all? Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let's have an altar call. Let's see if we want to be saved. Maybe y'all don't know. It's real, real simple. He says, if you're going to be saved, here's what you got to do. You got to do first what? Believe in your heart and then do what? So the person who says that they know Jesus, but they won't say it out their mouth, according to the Bible, the person who says it, but they don't believe it. He says, here is the two-part promise to receiving salvation. That you got to do what? Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. What? What do you got to confess? That Jesus what? Lord. Interesting that it doesn't say Savior. He says, in order to be saved, what you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth is that God is the boss of you. So for every faith promise, there are principles and there is a process to walk it out. Right. So let's look at Deuteronomy 8 and 18. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. Because how many of you know that God wants you to have wealth? Well, let's try it again. How many of you know? Okay. In case you didn't know, let's say God wants you to have wealth. Look at this. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he that does what? Gives you what? Power. Power. He gives you what? Power. To do what? That he may do what? Okay, let's work with this a little bit. He says, you shall remember the Lord. To remember something is means to put something back in the forefront of your mind, right? He says, you should keep God in the forefront of your mind, and you should remember that he has done what? He gives you what? Power. What's power? Somebody tell me what power is. It, it's ability. It didn't say that he would give you wealth. That's not what he said. He did not say he would give you wealth. He said that he has given you the ability to go and get wealth, right? So here's what I'll insert to you. Here's how God gives us the ability to get wealth. Number one, he has some kingdom principles. They don't belong to the world, but they do belong to the kingdom. I'm going to talk about them today. Now I'm going to talk to you about how, in a general sense, how God has positioned everybody to get wealth. So people are always asking this question, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? I'm going to make it real, real simple for you. Everybody has the same purpose. We all have one purpose. That purpose is to serve. 
That's everybody's purpose to serve. Say, my purpose, my purpose is, to serve. is to serve. Now, here's the thing. Your gift mix determines how you serve. So you don't have to search for your purpose anymore. Tell your neighbor, say, stop searching for your purpose. We already told you what it was. You, what's your purpose? Your purpose is to serve. Now, what you need to know is what is your gift mix because your gift mix is how you will have the ability to create wealth. My gift mix is how I have the ability to create wealth. So some of you are frustrated because you're chasing wealth, but you're doing it by doing things that God didn't create you to do. And so you make more money than you've ever made before, but you're unhappier than you've ever been before because you're out of alignment with who God created you to be. See, fundamentally what you need to understand is that whether you accept Jesus or not, there are some things that are innate on the inside of you. If you get out of sync with them, you're not going to be at peace. Selah, deep breath, take it in. Hear what I'm saying. So God says he's giving you the power to do what? To get wealth. So my power to get wealth is going to be found when I am using my gift in order to serve. So even if in the kingdom, I'm not talking about how the world get wealth. I'm talking about in the kingdom. So in the world, you can get wealth without using your gift to serve. You can use your gift to manipulate in the world and get wealth. But in the kingdom, you cannot use your gift for any other reason than to serve if you expect to get wealth. Pull it back up, pull it back up, pull it back up. We're not through with this. Because I'm trying to help you. No, no, go back to um, go back to Deuteronomy. Hey, we're not through with it. Y'all learning something today? He says, so he's giving you the power to get wealth that he may be that he may establish his covenant. What's a covenant? Somebody says a promise. Somebody says it's a contract somebody says it's a an agreement it, it, so let, let let's put it all together okay a covenant it is a legally binding agreement meaning it, it may not be legally binding in the United States of America government but it is legally binding at the seat of your government which is in heaven so it says that God has made a covenant with his people that says, I will give you the power to get wealth when you will use your gift mix in order to serve so that my covenant of wealth will be established in the earth. Just like I told you, daddy, I do. That's what he's saying. He said, I told Abraham I would do it. Here's what I position you to do. Oh, well, I'm not Jewish. Yes, yes, yes. Read your Bible because you are Jewish because it says you have been grafted into see here's the thing we didn't replace the Jews the Bible says that they were the vine we were the wild vine God took us and grafted us in which is why everything in the Old Testament all of the promises still belong to us because we've been grafted in we were adopted so he said I swear to you this day let's go now to Isaiah 48 y'all learning something say I'm positioning myself to be wealthy why is this so important? So let's deal with some things. Number one, God doesn't care how much money you have as long as money don't have you. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it three times so it can sing it to you. So God doesn't care how much money you have as long as money doesn't have you. Some of you don't have a lot of money, but when he asks you to give it, you hold on to it. So at the end of the day, it's not your wealth that makes you out of alignment with God. It's your relationship with money. 
So he says, thus said the Lord your God, the God, your redeemer, the boss of you, because whoever redeems you owns you, right? No, let's try it again. Whoever redeems you owns you, right? So it says, the Lord your boss, your king. See, we like the soft words that just make us feel warm and fuzzy about God. Oh, he is my savior. No, he is my boss. He tells me what to do. It's the reason that sometimes I want to cuss and I don't get to cuss because before I get it out, he said, you don't get to say that. And because he's the boss of me. But see, for some of you, he's not your boss because he tell you, be quiet, you keep talking. So some of you, the first place, if you're going to be wealthy, you're going to have to make an alignment in your life that you're not the boss of your life. Because to this point, you've done everything in your life based on what you want to do. You go to church when you feel like it. You don't feel like it. You stay home. You say, oh, God understands. God understands that you don't understand covenant. That's what God understands. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. All right. <laughs> he says, the Lord your boss says, I am the Lord your God. Look, he says again, Lord. What does the word Lord mean? It means master. The word Lord means master. He says, I am your master, your God, and I'm going to do something for you. What am I going to do? How to do what? Profit. To profit who leads you in the way that you should go. One of the reasons you have to know principles is because principles can be applied in any place, but we have to know the way that we should go. The assignment on my life and the assignment on Angel's life is different. We're both called to serve. We're both called to have great impact. We're both called to use our gift mix in order to, to make wealth and to impact people. It doesn't look the same. If she just follows me, she's not going to be happy because I'm going to be doing what it takes in order for me to be productive. She's going to be frustrated because she's out of sync. But if she learns the principles, she can take the principles and use them in her lane. Right? So he wants to teach you how to profit. Say, praise the Lord. God wants to teach me how to profit. God wants to teach me how to profit. Oh, now I'm really going to mess with you. Let's go to, to Malachi 3. I want to me mess with all your sacred cows and all of this different stuff. You know, all of you people who really love God, tell it's time for the offering. Malachi 3, we're going to spend a little time in Malachi 3. We're going to start with verse 6. Because the Bible says you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What, here's what you have to ask yourself, because you got to be honest with yourself. The Bible says God desires truth in the inward part. When you tell your truth, the Lord can help you. Okay, let's take something that's not revolving, involving money, because you know people get serious when you start talking about their money, right? So here's the reality. You never get free from anything until you first acknowledge that you love it. I'm going to say that again. See, you don't get free from your sin until you first acknowledge that you love it. See, you got to admit that you like to cuss. You, you, you see, see, you, God can't free you because you say stuff like, well, I don't want to cuss. Yes, you do because you like it. You like what it feels like when somebody rubs you wrong and you get that little thing and you like, I'm going to tell you about yourself. You like it. And until you tell the truth, you can't get free. I, I, let, let me come over here. See, you, see, you, you can't stop fornicating because you keep lying. It ain't an accident. 
It wasn't an accident when you went to Victoria's Secret, bought that matching bra and panties. When you shaved your legs and put on a dress that you know he liked. When you invited him back to your house and said, we just go chill and watch Netflix. Even I know what chill and net watch Netflix mean. It wasn't no accident when you answered her call. You been sending her the voicemail all them other times. But you can't get free because you won't tell the truth. You won't say, here's the truth. I know I shouldn't do it, but I like them tingly. See them tingly. They get me caught up. I really like them. The tinglys. Everybody know what the tinglys are. If you've been engaged in this, you've been, all the women know what it is. And all the men know what it look like when they see them. They know what it look like. The tinglys. I, I'm trying to help you, but you can't get free because you won't be honest. Because if you would be, because you overestimate who you are. Romans 12 and 3 says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Nine times out of ten, when you Netflix and chill, you end up having to repent. But you keep making yourself believe that you can Netflix and chill. You need to go to Chili's with a group. Chili's with a group. That's the only chill you got. Chili's with a group. You need to ride with your friend. You need to wear your grandma panties. I'm trying to help you live saved. No, 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 I'm, I'm, because I'm, I'm going to give you one more example. See, I got you laughing, then we can come back to money. I opened you up. I, I'm working on something right here. I, see, here, here the thing. You like to smoke weed. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. You'll, you'll smoke weed. I'm, my, my bad, my bad. Not weed. You like that glass of wine. I mean, just went... <laughs> When Olivia get her bottle, you got your bottle too. You drink as many bottles as she drink during scandal. You know she ain't drinking all of them because she acting, right? But you are. And so then what you do is you justify and you say, um, drinking isn't a sin. Drinking isn't a sin, but did God tell you to drink? But I'm saved and I'm free. But no, no. But here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, did you ever even ask God, should you drink? I, I, I wasn't calling you out, Jimmy. No, oh, <laughs> I wasn't calling you out. <laughs> but I appreciate that. Thank you. But the truth of it is that most of you who are engaged in things, you never even asked God, should you do it? You just took the liberty and did it. And in truth, you didn't ask because you don't want to know. That's why when you first start dating somebody, you don't bring them to church so your folks can discern who they are. Because you don't want to know. Because when folks want to know, as soon as they like somebody, they're like, Pastor Sean, I think I like somebody. Here's his Facebook page. Go look at it. Check out his Instagram, all this stuff, and tell me what you discern. That's because they want to know. But see, when you don't want to know, you don't ask. So there are things about your life you don't, ask, you don't ask God should you tithe. But you don't need to ask him because you can read it. 
So really you only ask looking for a reason, a justification not to. Now let's come on back to money now that we've set this up right here. Okay. All right. Let's go to Malachi 3 and 6. For all of the people who like, well, tithing is Old Testament. I just want us to read this one scripture right here. Let's start in Malachi 3 and 6. It says, come on, you read it. I'm not going to read it. Ready? You read. Just go back and let's just read to the semicolon. All right. So if God used the time in order to bless his chosen people, then is it about whether you have to um, tithe or not or what the covenant of the tithe produces in your life when you partake in it? See, the tithe is not about whether you go to heaven or hell or not. It is about the principle that the tithe establishes that when I agree with it, I can get the benefit. Now, the problem with some of y'all is that you want the Lord to bless your money, but the devil still run your money. You, 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 you want the Lord to bless it. Lord, bless this. Lord, take this check. Lord, multiply. But we ask for a $100 offering. You ain't got it, but you got on $100 shoes. You can't give $25 in church, but you're going to spend that much on dinner and some because it's Sunday, baby. On Sunday, I don't cook. We go eat good on Sunday, but your offering was $17.27. When you tithe, you always got to count it to the penny. It's got to be $17.29. You won't even round up the penny for God. But when you go to buy a present for your boo, you always go over budget. How you spend your money reveals your heart. You don't need me to convict you. All you got to do is look at your checkbook. All you got to do is pull up your online banking and see if whether your hands lifted match what's coming out your pocket. Lord, I love you. I'm I'm just going to imagine what the Lord is saying. I've noticed what it looks like when you love. Whenever you love, you give. Whenever you love and you're in the store and you see something, you go, ooh, Tamara would like that hat. I should grab that hat for her. But yet when you're in church, you're trying to nickel down to the lowest that you can give. I love you. Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm trying to help us because in order to get wealthy in the kingdom, you got to do it God's way. God is not interested in putting wealth in the hands of people who he doesn't command their wealth. It's enough people in the world who has wealth that he doesn't command their wealth. In this season, he is looking for some people that he commands their wealth. He commands their wealth. He don't command your wealth if he don't command what you got right now. I mean, I know, I know, because like you've been in the store, right, and you've seen something, particularly if you're a parent, you've seen something that you wanted to get for your kid, and your kid doesn't really need it, but you just get it, right, and your kid has more stuff than they can do. I'm just asking, when the last time you've been at home and you've just been like, I just want to give an extra offering because the Lord been so good. He just been so good. It's so interesting because you go to the store, you buy something for your kid, you buy one, you go to buy one shirt, one pair of pants, you end up buying three shirts, three pair of pants, some socks, and some shoes. When have you ever been in church and you, you gave another offering? 
In fact, most church folks, if we take up another offering right now, your guard go all the way up. Your shield done went all the way up. We're like, we done already took up an offering. They want another offering? All this church want is money. I don't want to go to church. All this church want is money. Oh, but you don't mind spending your money on any of the stuff that you really love and even the stuff that you really like. Because it's $7 bottles of wine, but that ain't what you drink. Let's keep going. Let's just keep going. Let's, let, let's keep going. That ain't what you drink. Oh, verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? I think he should insert there every day he get a chance. If he get a chance, he will rob God. Yet you have robbed me. And then you say, how did we rob you? We gave you that Trinity offering. How, how did we rob you? We went to church when it was warm. How did we rob you? We only cussed the people who cussed us first. And he says, in what way have you robbed me? He says, let me make it real, real clear for you. In what? In offerings. In tithes and in offerings. Now I'm keep going because some of you, you like you, you studied the script. You know what's real interesting to me about people, and I say this all the time. I have noticed that people never study the scripture to prove they're not blessed. Like if someone says God wants to increase you, nobody looks up scriptures to say no, God doesn't want to increase you. People only look up scriptures because your flesh doesn't want to do what God wants you to do. So now you want to justify. Here's a great example. We're going to leave money again because you have to leave money so the people will stick with you, right? So we're going to go over here and we're going to talk about, here's a great example right here. So years ago, we stopped eating pork. We haven't eaten pork in about 15 years. We stopped eating pork when I was pregnant with Caleb. We stopped eating pork because we got a word from the Lord. People would tell you we did not tell anybody else that they should stop eating pork. People got offended with us because we stopped eating pork. Like, as though that was, like, we didn't tell you to stop eating pork. It was so interesting to me that people who had never read the Bible, they, they had never read the Bible, went and looked for a scripture to justify why they could eat pork. And so as a result, they went over there in Acts and they found a scripture and they so wanted it to mean that they could eat pork that they took it out of context. It is when Peter is on the roof and he said, Jesus says to him, kill and go eat. And he shows him a pig and all of these bottom dwellers. And he says, kill and go eat. And they say, see, here right here, the Bible says that everything is clean, is unclean, blah, 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 blah. You can eat anything you want to. It don't mean to make your body run optimally. And so what happens is, that's a good question. Jimmy says, what does it have to do with you anyway? Because often when somebody else raises up the standard, then the fact that you're not living at the standard offends you. Now, I'm going to go ahead. I mean, I just figured for a search come, we should make everybody mad. I'm just going to tell you this. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. If you live, you want to be in health, all this stuff, I'm just telling you. Whether you eat pork, whether you eat shrimp, whether you eat lobster, that's on you. But if you got a tanch of high blood pressure, a tanch a tanch, and you eat bacon, you hate yourself. You hate yourself. You hate yourself. Let's go further. You got diabetes and you eat sugar, you hate yourself. And let me tell you why you hate yourself, because the Bible says in Romans that your flesh is an enemy toward your spirit. 
So your flesh will work to kill you. And the, your flesh will use your desires to, let, let me tell you something. Let me, let, let, all right, listen. Do you know you ain't never got caught up with nothing you didn't really want? You ain't never got caught up with nothing you ain't really want. You have never got caught up with anything you didn't really want. If you like tall, dark, and handsome, around and short, ain't took you nowhere you didn't want to go. <laughs> ain't took you nowhere. Nowhere. And then what you desired was money, so what you followed was what you desired. We go out to eat. We go out to eat almost every week after church. It's so interesting. The people who love bread, you can tell the people who love bread and the people who don't love bread. The people who love bread, we like, where the bread? Where the bread? We came here because the bread. No, no, we don't want this hard bread. We want the warm bread. We want the soft bread and we want the butter. The people who don't eat bread, the bread sits on the table. They don't even touch it. We ate four pieces. They didn't touch one because you drawn away by the lust of your own flesh. Your issue of giving to God is not an issue of your budget. It's an issue of your flesh. Because many times in your budget, you have done things for love that your budget could not afford. It is not your budget that dictates whether you tithe. It's your flesh. It's your heart. Right. <laughs> Let's go back to this. I'm not through with this. I'm not through with this. I'm not through with this. People do what matters to them. Listen, let me help you. I'm going to give you the statistics because I need you to understand this. They say average giving across the nation, average giving across the nation, regardless of denomination, regardless of race, regardless of socioeconomic background, that in the church, about 12% of the people tithe. Across the nation. So you got 200 people who come to church and love the Lord until it's time to spend their money. And then they use scripture to attempt to justify. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Do you know that there is no manual that tells you as a wife or a husband how much you should spend for a gift? But you have never needed, if you love somebody, the natural expression of love is that you give what's valuable to you. So when you say you love God, but it make you tighten your chest to release your money, then you got to deal with what's in you that love money more than God. Y'all love me? I love y'all. Okay. It says in times of you are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this nation. Now, I want you to understand this. You, go back. You are cursed with the curse. The Bible says you're empowered to fail. Now, I, I want to break this down in a way that you can understand this. The Bible says that when you don't tithe, you are empowered to fail. Now, I want to insert this so you can see this. We are citizens of the United States of America, right? But we have dual citizenship because we are also citizens of heaven, right? The, the, the kingdom of heaven is greater than the kingdom of the United States of America, 
right? It's the kingdom that's been around no matter what other kingdom fails, right? The Lord says, when you partner with me and do it my way, it becomes my obligation to cause you to prosper regardless to what your secondary kingdom is doing. He says, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. It means that you're here and you work and you live, but who really should supply your supply is the kingdom of heaven if you agree with the kingdom of heaven and you participate with the kingdom of heaven. He says that literally for every believer, for every believer, your house should be like an embassy. For every believer, your house should be like an embassy. Understand that when you see an embassy in the United States, it's why you see those movies sometimes. And they like, if I can just get to the embassy, people chasing them. They got machine guns. They got all this stuff. But once they step inside that door, whatever you go do to me, you can't do to me. That's why as a believer, that's why I want to tie. See, because I don't really know what the United States go do. I do know that they money not backed by gold. I do know that they break a lot of rules. I do know that they keep trying to take money from the middle class, but that doesn't matter because I live in a second citizenship. And that's it, that, that and the kingdom of heaven is so smart that what he wants to do, because remember he said he wants to teach us how to profit, is that he wants to teach you how to use their system to get your advantage. Let's keep going. It says, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. All you got to do is look at the poverty stats and see. You know, the Bible says the poor will be among us always. It didn't say you should be the poor. It didn't say you would be poor. It says the poor will be among us. You know who the poor people should be? The people who don't know who their God is. They should see us being so blessed that they like, how you do that? We like, oh, well, God is our Lord. We do what he says. They like, how I get in? Like, you got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Come on and rock over here. But we do what he says because he preserves us no matter what. It says, bring all to what? Now, I love that he says all because he knew that somebody was going to try to bring some. <laughs> Parenthetically, you're also the same people who give the lowest tip you can give when you go out to eat. Because you're just fundamentally not givers, because givers give everywhere. You got an $80 meal, you left a $3 tip. <laughs> let, let, let me give you some principles, because we're talking about principles of giving and honor here, right? If you can't afford the tip, go to a restaurant where they don't require one. But if you go to a restaurant that requires a tip, it is dishonorable for you not to tip. Oh, amen. He says, bring the tithes in the storehouse. He says, why? Because if you bring tithes in the storehouse, what's going to happen? Read it. What's going to happen? There's going to be food in the house. Practically, what does this mean? It's going to be resources. So if only 12%, think of any church you can think of, if the average given is 12%, let's take Cross Church, right? If, there are, if only 12% of their people are tithing, what could they do if 100% of them tithe? If we've been able to do what we're able to do, and only 12% of the people are tithing, what could we do if everybody tithed? I love this. Caleb said this. He was about 10 when he said this. I thought it was so matter of fact. We was driving home from church one day. He says, you know, if you don't tithe, you're just a parasite. He said, if you want to come to church, you want to take in the air, you want to hear the audio, you want to sit in the sea, you want food when it's a pot love, but you don't tithe, you a parasite. You just want to eat off the host. 
You want word that changes your life. You want prayer when you need it. You want counseling. You want to be able to get a phone call, but you don't want to give any resources. Because fundamentally in your heart, you're not a giver. You're okay with everybody working hard to supply you, but you're not committed to bring your resources to make sure there is a supply. Who? He says, now listen, because there are some people like, oh, my goodness, what should I do? Um, go to the King James Version. Can you switch this to the King James Version? Because I want you to see this word right here. Because it says try me in the New King James, but I don't like try me. Because it's only two places in the Bible that the Lord uses this word right here. Here he is. He's God. He's master. He's leader. He's boss, right? Y'all know I'm teaching this a little bit slower because the kids can eat their pizza, right? Okay. Um, so he says, now what? He says, bring the meat into my house and do what? Prove me. Only two times in scripture does the master say to you, prove me. Prove me and see if I will not do something for you. If I will not do what? Open what? And do what? What's a blessing? Tell us what a blessing is because in order for this to work, you got to have a right understanding of the words. What's a blessing? It's an empowerment to prosper. Now, God told you that he would make you wealthy if you use your gifts for service, right? He says, so when you tithe, because you became a partner in my business, because you became in covenant with what I care about, now I'm in covenant with what you care about. Now, what I'm going to do is you're already gifted. You're already talented. I'm going to begin to download strategies that will cause you to increase and to be blessed regardless of what's happening in the economy. That's why I love to tithe. He says, I will pour you out an empowerment that there will not be room enough to receive it. Here's what it means. It says that when a man gets in covenant with God and begins to use the resources that God has given him for his intended purpose to serve using his gift mix, God will so bless you that there is no lack for you and out of your overflow you supply others. Out of my overflow, God never intended for me to supply you out of my lack. He always intended for me to supply you out of my overflow. We see it in the book of, so uh, in the, in the book of Chronicles when Solomon has become the wealthiest man. And it says, listen, here's how wealthy Solomon was. They were so wealthy that they threw the silver out of the gates for the poor people. They threw it away. They were so wealthy that they said, we don't even need this. Let's give this to the other people who don't have as much as we have. Now we got two things. We got some people who don't tithe because your heart don't agree with God. That, that, I don't care how many scriptures you get. You can always take it back to this foundational principle. If you can spend $500 on somebody you love, but you can't bring $500 into the house, you got a heart issue. If you can spend your last on somebody you love, but when your tithe is your last, you don't bring it, you got a heart issue. I don't care how much you lift. I don't care how much you lay. I don't care how much you run. I don't care how much you shout. That's why the Bible says that God, the man looks on the outside. He claps for what's on the outside, but God looks on the heart. God is a good businessman. Tell your neighbor, say, God is a good businessman. Think about it like this. The tithe is only a measurement to see if you can handle increase. The tithe is just an entry level to determine if you can handle increase. Let, let's walk through it. The tithe is 10%, right? 
So he says, give me 10%. Here's what I'm going to do in exchange for the 10%. Nobody, no other financial planner on the world can guarantee you this. He says, if you give me the 10%, I will position you that you will live better than if you had kept it all. That's what he says, right? He says, if you give me the 10%, excuse me, I will bless you so that you have more than enough that it's like you didn't miss it. So some people don't tithe, right? The other problem is that some people tithe, and then they don't pay attention to this right here. I will pour you out an empowerment. You only need an empowerment to act. Many of you are sitting because you're tithers with empowerments on you, but you don't do nothing with them. You got the empowerment because you're a tither. You just don't do anything with it. You've already sold the ground. You've already got seed that all you need to do is cover it up and start watering and it'll produce you. You've been tithing for a long time. You just don't do nothing but go to work. You don't read no books. You don't take advantage of advanced training. You don't ask God what to do. You just come home and chill out and veg out. And so you got an empowerment on your life that is not active because you're not doing anything with it. Amen. Let's keep going because I'm almost done now. Do you understand what I'm saying? He says, if you tithe, prove me. He says, when you tithe, prove me. Prove me, number one, if, if you start tithing, if you in lack. Prove me and see if I won't cause you to have more than enough, even though you don't seem like you have enough. See, tithing is the litmus test of your heart. Tithing is choke level. If you can't get 10%, you'll never go give a million. Because people be like, oh, if I, had, if I won the lottery, I'd give the church a million dollars. No, you wouldn't. The, the same selfish you are now, you beat in. You give us $50,000 and tell us we should be happy with it. Switch church. Some people just switch churches. Right. I mean, it's the truth. It's just like this, let's, let's leave money for a while. Let's go to something else. It's just like I know people, honest to goodness, that in the month that they tie, that in the month their church fast, they don't go to church. They just bail on the fast. They just don't go to church. They schedule all their work travel so they can be gone on Sunday so they don't have to go to church so they don't have to hear about the fast. It's interesting that the people who don't participate in the fast always want you to stand with them when they're going through. Some people, they actually, when the fast information come out, that, that, that's a precursor fast information is coming right so when the fast information come out um people start looking at scriptures about why they don't have to fast you know i'm i'm, I'm under the new covenant covenant well jesus said not when if you fast he said when you fast he said some stuff don't come out but by prayer and fasting that's what he said pray, not just prayer not just you pray real hard he said prayer and turn down your plate together and that's a compound Two things together, right? You need them both. And so there are always these people in the church who want the maximum benefit, but they want to do the least. And if you think about it, if you've ever been on a team in college, in a class, or a team at work, and you with a group of people, and they want the 100 points, but they don't want to do any work, do you know how bad they get on your nerves? You know how bad they get on your nerves because you be needing people to pray for you when it happened, right? It's five meetings, they didn't come to but one. Didn't you hate it when the teacher started saying you couldn't talk to them about that, you just had to make it work because that's how it was in the real world? You despise the people that don't carry their weight. You carry your weight. 
All right, let's keep going. Let's look at 11, because in verse 11, this is really good. It says, I love this. He says, so first of all, I'm going to measure your heart. I want you to understand this. No matter how much money you get, everybody in here who's a faithful giver can attest to this. God is always going to have a choke level for you. He going to always test where your heart is. He going to always test. God may not ask you. He'll never ask you for what you don't have. He may ask you for everything you do have. Because the Bible says that he led them through the wilderness so they could see what was in their own heart. So sometimes God will ask you for something to let you see where your heart is. There's always a choke level. When you first start giving, giving $20 was significant. Then $20 gets easy for you. So then you go to $50, right? Then you go to $100. Just about that time you get comfortable at $100, the Lord be like, hey, let me get $250 from you. I'm buying that in the name of Jesus. That's the devil. That's the devil. You, you master giving $250, he be like, uh, you know that money you were saving for your TV? Can I have that? Isn't it so interesting that when you really love somebody and they ask you for the money that you were saving, you give it to them? Even sometimes when they bad ground, you know they bad ground. Like they always in a bad situation and you keep giving their money. But if God asks you for that, I can't never have nothing. I mean, God know my kid needs shoes. Maybe God was going to have somebody to give your kids the shoes. Better than the shoes you could have afforded. But you missed it. He uses money to measure your heart. Money is always the measurement of your heart. If money wasn't a system, let's say we exchange in this society for peas. He would be asking for your peas. He'd be like, bring all your black eyed peas into the storehouse so there'll be me because all he wants is that what is valuable to you not to be as more more valuable than he is and to trust that anytime he asks for what's value if God asks you for your vacation money you all get it get excited because that means that he's about to upgrade what you could have done on your vacation money you was going to Branson you was going to Branson he got Jamaica on his mind. See, whenever God asks, he always asks for an exchange to increase. God only asks because he says, give me something we can work with. Bring me a seed so that I can multiply you. And then I love this. This is my favorite part of this scripture, though. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. This is why I love the tithe. He says, in the earth, there's going to be famine. There's going to be drought. There's going to be down economies. There's going to be recession. He said, if you partner with me, I will rebuke those things from your life. So even when other people are going down and then decreasing, you will be increasing. And you will be increasing because you are in partnership with me. So literally, before the economy gets ready to do something, he'll be like, this is what I need you to do with your money. But God don't talk to you about your money because you don't bring your money. You're not in partnership. It's a great example. You read it in 2 Kings. There was getting ready to be a famine. Elijah goes to the woman. He says to the woman, he says, leave and go to Egypt. There's about to be a famine. It's going to be a famine for seven years. She goes. She's gone for seven years. She comes back because everybody has to petition the king for their stuff. She's standing in the line. It just so happens nothing is ever accident in the kingdom of God that, that Elijah's servant is standing beside the king, and the king is saying, tell me the testimonies of Elijah. She's 
says, he says, well, there was this one time there was this woman and her son died and Elijah raised him up. The man scans the room. He says, wait, wait, that's her son. That's the woman right there. Bring them to the front of the line. See, understanding when you're a tither, when you partner with God, God will cause you to jump over people who had a head start. The woman comes to the front of the line. This is the best story in the Bible to me. I love this. He comes, she comes to the front of the line. She says, tell me, tell me, the king says, tell me what Elijah did. She says, my son died, and Elijah raised him up, and then Elijah sent me out a thing, and I was wondering if I could get my stuff back. And when you read it, he says to his servant, he says, restore to her her land and everything she would have had if there had not been a drought. See, that's what connecting with God does. It says it looked like I was in loss. It looked like I didn't have enough. See, it looked like I'm losing because I can't always go to eat with you. It looked like I'm losing because I didn't go to vacation when you went to vacation. But I'm working on something, and there's going to come a time when the cloud gets full that God's going to move me to the front of the line and say, this is what we've been working on. Says he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Pull this up. Pull up 11. Can you make it go to where we can see all of 11? He says, and he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I love this scripture right here. You know what this scripture means? It means that when I'm in a tithing relationship with God, when I'm in covenant with God, I don't have to talk to the devil about my money. I don't buy the devil by my money. I'd be like, oh, we in relationship. You see what's happening? Can you do something about that? He'd be like, oh, yeah, let me handle that for you. See, when you wrestling with the devil, sometimes he determine whether he going to move, how fast he going to move. But when God step in the room, one stream will dry up and God will open another door. He'll give you insight before something happens. He says, look at this. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Let me show you what destroyed fruit of the ground look like. If you work all the time and don't have no money, the fruit of your ground is destroyed. He says, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before it's time. It says that you won't have premature. You won't have things that look like they go birth something and they don't birth something. You won't look like you go prosper. You, you, you won't have this, this fake prosperity look where you look really successful and then you don't work for two months and you can't live. Keep going. Verse 12. We're going to go all the way to 16 and we'll be done. It says, and all the nations shall call you blessed. All of the nations will see the empowerment on you. Man, listen, everything is a setup to get people to come back to God. So God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your family. He wants to cause your family to prosper. So the people in your neighborhood are trying to figure out how do you live that much better than they do. The people on your job are trying to figure out how you live much better than they do. Why? So they can ask. So they will see the empowerment on you and you will be a delightsome land. Because the truth of it is, is that when, you, when my marriage was raggedy, didn't nobody ask me for marriage advice? People already knew to do it. But now... People ask me for advice. When my coaching business wasn't making any money, wasn't nobody asking me. When no coaches didn't come to me and ask me how to turn my business, to turn their business around. But now my business make money and people. Have, but when you shine, your shine draws people to God. Like if you wanted to get your body in shape in here, it's some people you go ask. It's some people you ain't go ask. 
And all of the people you not go ask, not fat. It's just you look around and you bump up against somebody, you go, ooh, they got arms. Well, I should ask them. You don't touch my arm and be like, ooh, Pastor John, how you get them arms? Eat a lot of bread. <laughs> All right, we about to go. <laughs> it says, your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. And you say, where have we spoken so much against you? Verse 14. You said it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it to keep his ordinance? The word ordinance is the same word for covenant. He says, what you said is how does it serve me to be in covenant with God? There is no profit in me being in covenant with God. I don't need God to protect my money because I can manage it better by myself. I don't need God to open up the windows of heaven and pour. He says, you have said it is vain. When he writing this, he writing this to church people. He not out there talking to the people in the strip club. He talking to the people who come to the synagogue. Everything in the Bible, like people get so mad, they're like, oh, it's because of what they do. He not talking about they. He talking about us. Verse 15. He says, and now we call the proud, proud happy, and yea, that work wickedness are set up, yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Verse 16, I love this verse. It says, then they that feared the Lord, they spake often to one another, and the Lord heard them and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him that feared him and those that thought upon his name. Is there another verse? I think there's, there's yeah, two more verses, two more. It says, and you shall be mine, said the Lord, and in the day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Verse 18. Then you shall return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth not. He said they had to get a word that convicted them that even though they didn't mean to, they were more aligned to the wicked than they were to the righteous. It wasn't your intent to, to not be a tither. You just ended up with mobiles, and then it just made sense, and then some of you, you didn't walk with the Lord, so you didn't learn it early, whatever the case. That wasn't the intent. He says, now you've heard a word. Now you get to make a decision. Because I'm telling you, Real, real soon, you're going to be to tell the difference between those who live for the Lord and those who don't. It's going to be a difference that's going to be made. Because the people who live for the Lord, the people who are doing what they're telling the Lord, I don't just mean money, I do mean money. But the people who are partnering with the Lord and their money, they're going to have some intel that everybody else ain't going to have. Just like the people who are doing what God is telling them to do with their health, they're going to have some intel about what needs to happen and where they need to go and how they need to move. See, what God is saying to you today, and that's what people don't understand, when God is talking to you about the tithe today, he's not talking to you about today, he's talking to you about tomorrow. He's talking to you about a few. Literally, there are words that God is giving you in January that's going to determine how you live in November. Because he knows what's coming down 
the line. He knows what's going to happen. And so everything God ever tells us to do. Have you ever been in a situation where God told you to quit fooling with somebody? I don't mean a relationship. Just somebody God was like, you don't need to mess with them. They're not really for you. And you keep on messing with them. And then you found out why you shouldn't need, didn't need to mess with them. Whenever God gives you an instruction, it's always to set you up for good. The tithe is to help us to win. To position you to be wealthy. Why? Because in this season, God is looking for some people with that he can give wealth to because they will do what he tells them to do. And I'm telling you, if you won't do what he tells you to do with the 10%, you, you, can, you deceive yourself when you say that you, oh, with my business, we, we would give 50% of our business. No, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. And you got to own that about yourself. Listen, God is good. Thank God for our husbands, for our wives, for our kids, for our friends, for our mothers. Nobody should get our best over God. I mean, nobody, yeah, nobody should get our best over God. You should never be like, oh, it's Christmas time. I ain't giving this month. The Lord understands. No, the Lord understands that you don't understand. And, we're ma- and, I, and this is so important to me because we're making all these prophetic words about, Harold, this is the season of great grace. You have to ask yourself, sometimes am I in position to receive what God is doing? I know I'm confessing it, but am I in position to receive? Some of you, you sitting in here, you got multi-million dollar business ideas on the inside of you. But, God, but you won't act when God tells you to act. You won't read a book. You won't go to a seminar. And I'm going to keep on talking about this. I, I, I use this term in, in, in Florida, and I want you to think about this. You have to value assets more than you value flaw sets. What's a flaw set? It's the thing you have that makes it look like you got assets. You have to value what God is trying to do in your life more than you value stuff. There may be some times in your life where another for God to do what he needs you to do in your life. Some of you, you're sitting here, you need to go back to school. Some of you, you don't need to go back to school. You don't need another degree, but you do need to learn how to become a business owner. You cannot say that you're willing to pay $200 for a purse, but you can't pay $200 for a course. You cannot expect to prosper that way. The biggest issue of carnality, the Bible says to be carnally minded is death. And literally the people who are carnally minded in their money, as this next wave happens, your carnality is going to produce death for you. You don't have to be like that. Here's the great thing. You can just repent. You'll be like, right now, Lord, I repent for every time I have not done what you told me to do with my money. We're not talking about just a tithe because here's the thing. If you're not tithing with your money, you're not following God's instructions about the rest of it. Just because they approve your credit don't mean you should get it. Just because you want it don't mean it's time. And what you don't realize is that literally sometimes God will tell you to walk away from something because he intends to bring it into your life another way. I have literally been in a store about to spend money. It's happened to me like five times. I was about to buy a particular item. The Lord said, don't buy it. And within 24 hours, someone gave me that item. They said, I was in the store, and the Lord told me to buy this for you. One of the best stories ever is when Corbin was a little girl, this little girl named Corbin, and Corbin wanted this. She wanted this, but she wanted a, um, she wanted, you know, little thing you put your baby in, in the little car seat. It was a car seat. Um, 
a stroller. See, I, don't, I ain't had babies in so long, I forgot the name of that stuff. <laughs> it was a system, a travel, it was a travel system, it was a stroller, and it was a swing that she wanted for her baby. And it was her birthday. She was 10 at the time, but she was a 10-year-old toddler. And her mother had, she had asked her mother for it, and her mother had said, no, I bought you everything I'm going to buy you for your birthday. And she said to her mother, she said, that's okay, I'm a toddler, I'm going to get it anyway. I was literally walking through Sam's, and I walked past it, and the Lord said, I want you to buy that for Corbin. And I turned around and looked, it was $149. I was like, Corbin, 10, she don't need no $149 gift. <laughs> and I kept walking, and the Lord said, I need you to buy that for Corbin. And I bought it, and I took it over, and she answered the door. She turned around, looked at her mom, she said, I told you when you tithe, God will bless you. Just have as much confidence as a 10-year-old has. God can't fail. 